For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Just a quick heads up. In this episode, I described some crude content that was found on a Facebook group for Border Patrol agents. It's disturbing. It also mentions sexual assault. Last week, Elijah Cummings gaveled to order the House Oversight Committee. They were there to grill the acting head of the Department of Homeland Security. Grill him about lapses in oversight at the border. Kids being separated from their parents. Kids being apprehended, then ignored. You feel like you're doing a great job, right? Is that what you're saying? We're doing our level best in a very... What does that mean? What does that mean when a child is sitting in their own feces, can't take a shower... Come on, man. What's that about? None of us would have our children in that position. They are human beings. There was so much to talk about that it took three hours before the latest allegations even got brought up. Allegations about some of the border agents themselves and the secret Facebook group where they seem to be mocking migrants, mocking members of Congress, too. Um, Mr. Secretary, are you aware of the ProPublica report indicating that there were about 10,000 potential current and former CBP officers in the violently racist and sexist Facebook group? Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was the first to mention the group. I I am aware of the ProPublica article, yes. Um, Did you see any of the posts in the report? I did. Did you see the posts uh, mocking migrant children's deaths? I did. Did you see the post planning physical harm to myself and Congresswoman Escobar? Yes, and I directed an investigation within minutes of reading the article. Did you see the images? I think one of the things about the hearing that was so interesting is how deeply it reflected the the secrecy culture at Border Patrol. Like, they just don't say anything about anything. This is A.C. Thompson. He's the guy who wrote these ProPublica articles. Like, they considered their... A roster of agents to be a secret. So you're not supposed to know who's an agent for the agency. They do not tell you who's been disciplined, how they've been disciplined, why they've been disciplined. They don't tell you almost anything about what transpires there. At one point, Representative Ocasio-Cortez asks about this photo that an officer posted. It had been doctored to make it look like President Trump was forcing her head into his crotch. Did you see the images of officers circulating uh, photoshopped images of my violent rape? Yes, I did. For me, this moment stood out because it's when I realized even the people investigating this group might end up under investigation themselves. You had the, the acting head of the Department of Homeland Security and... He sort of responds to the criticism or the questions about your reporting. And he says, well, you know, you've already heard that the top female law enforcement officer is is taking action here. Yeah. You've heard the chief of the Border Patrol, the most senior female official in law enforcement across the entire country, say that these uh, posts do not meet our standards of conduct Mm -hmm. and they will be followed up aggressively. 
But isn't there evidence that she was at one point a member of the group? Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I'd been hearing early on was that Carla Provost, the chief of the Border Patrol, was a member of the group and that there were other top managers within the Border Patrol that were members. I mean, there was a ton of members of the Border Patrol in that group. Like, it was overwhelmingly active Border Patrol and some retired Border Patrol. Today on the show, AC is going to walk me through his reporting and talk about where it all goes from here. Customs and Border Protection is the nation's largest law enforcement agency. And this Facebook group, it reveals how they operate in a way we just haven't seen before. I'm Mary Harris. You are listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by SAP. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI will not help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, or automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This Facebook group AC investigated, it's gone now. But it had been active for years, had more than 9,000 members. It went by the name I'm 1015. What does I'm 1015 mean? I'm 1015 means alien in custody. That's the Border Patrol code for alien custody. So it's what you'd say over the radio if you have someone in custody. Exactly. Exactly. And it was, you know, a place where they said, you know, the sort of mission statement is like, this is where the old, super hardened, uh, tough guy Border Patrol agents can converse with the newer generation of agents who are perhaps less hard boiled. Um, In the old Border Patrol days, you did whatever you wanted. The old patrol was the utterly lawless, utterly sort of rogue agency. New patrol is the people who supposedly follow the rules a little bit more, um, are a little bit more cognizant of modern policing norms. And when you talk about there being 9,500 members of the group, that is a huge number of Border Patrol personnel. And the group dropped, like after the reporting happened, after we put out the stories, there's 9,500 people in it. The next day, 7,000 of those people leave. And I think what that suggests to you is that a lot of those people were active, current Border Patrol agents who were like, oh, this is a big problem. I need to, to get out of here. And huh. then the group shut down. And after your reporting, you know, this group changes its name, gets archived. It seems like it, it, it like folded up its tent and like went away very quickly. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, that's the sort of thing like you don't do that if you think what you're doing is perfectly acceptable. And you've traced some of the more abhorrent posts to individuals. Like there's one that's a simulated rape of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez mm. and allegedly was posted by someone named Thomas Hendricks. What do we know about him? So Thomas Hendricks is a guy who's been at the Border Patrol for about 20 years, since 1999. He is a station supervisor at the Colexco station, which is down in Imperial County, 
California, deep Southern California, right on the border, um, not that far from Nevada. And I had been trying to reach him many different ways, texting him, calling him, et cetera. And he has not responded to to my request to, to comment on it. But it was fairly shocking to me that somebody that's basically running a station, and the stations, you know, are decent-sized operations, is posting that kind of stuff. And to me, when I saw that, look, I've been reporting on police for so long, and I have never seen police or other law enforcement celebrating sexual assault. I have not seen that before. How much do these posts represent a wider culture? What what do we know about the culture inside Border Patrol? When I interview people who work at the agency, they describe just an utterly toxic, poisonous, noxious culture. One person put it to me like this. I didn't understand how to behave at the Border Patrol at all. And then I realized, oh, everyone just says immediately what comes to mind without a filter. And so they say that the the sexist, the racist, the xenophobic, the obnoxious thing that immediately comes to, to their mind. And when you act like that, people like you. And he said, so I started just walking around and being as offensive as possible. <laughs> and I would come home and my wife would be like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you talking like that? And he'd say, well, I fit in when I talk like this at work. I had somebody tell me that the first day they walked into the training academy for Border Patrol, that somebody sexually harassed them. This was a, a female agent that immediately walks into the classroom, first class, first day of training academy, and the person is getting cat calls and comments about their body. They describe a culture where 250 employees of Customs and Border Protection a year typically get arrested. So 250 people at, at the agency going to jail on an annual basis, which is just For shocking. A uh, lot of drunk driving, a lot of domestic violence. Yeah, it stood out to me looking at your reporting, the number that only 5% of the agents were female because 50% of the country is female. And it stands out because when you have a, an environment that's that shifted to me as a woman it kind of just sets you up for this kind of action. Yeah, I was told by by an agent, I said, well, how would you feel if your um, daughter wanted to work for the Border Patrol? And the agent said, no, 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 never. There is There is no way I would ever, ever want my daughter to work for that agency. It is a place where you will be abused, you will be harassed, and you may even be sexually assaulted. It is... Sort of remarkable. And again, that's the thing that cuts against the grain of modern policing. Modern police departments are generally not that gender imbalanced. And I don't think anything good comes out of having that kind of uh, gender imbalance, obviously. Is it that they don't see themselves as a police force? They see themselves as something else, a, a more militarized force or doing something more different and more special? You know, it, it's interesting because the mission is complex It's it's and it's difficult, right? It's part humanitarian. It's part sort of special ops. And the agency has had trouble over the years sort of defining what it is. I mean, the truth is, at core, it is a, a sort of police force. But at times, they've sort of described themselves as, no, we're not a law enforcement agency. We're a national security agency. And that's something different. It's something more important and different. At times, when it suits them, they say, yeah, yeah, we are a law enforcement agency. That, that's what we do. 
And I think that there is a sort of nebulousness about what the mission is and what the orientation should be there. And this nebulousness, it affects how employees within the agency are heard themselves. When an officer or someone they detain has a complaint, they can report it to the Inspector General for Homeland Security, the Civil Rights Office, the FBI Border Corruption Task Force. So there's all these different ways that you can sort of raise the flag and say, look, there's a problem with the culture here. People are behaving badly. The Inspector General did an audit that was released recently, and they surveyed thousands of Border Patrol employees. And about a third of them said that they had personally witnessed misconduct on the job, which I thought was a stunning number. But sort of the problem that you have is, despite having a multitude of oversight bodies, things seem to fall through the cracks, or maybe because there's a multitude of oversight bodies. So I keep hearing from people who say, yeah, I reported this to this particular system. I made a complaint. I'm a supervisor. I said, this person's out of control, or I said, this group is awful and you should investigate it, this Facebook group, and nothing happened. I keep hearing from people who say, I reported misconduct, and nobody from any of these oversight bodies ever called me. The bureaucracy has gotten worse in recent years. That's because CBP, Customs and Border Protection, is a relatively new thing. It was created in 2003, when the Border Patrol was slammed together with a bunch of other smaller agencies under the newly created Department of Homeland Security. And one of the early problems that they had is that Border Patrol agents were under their sort of federal designation, law enforcement agents who could affect arrest, but they could not do investigations. And so they didn't have the license to go out and investigate what was happening on the border, let alone misconduct or corruption of their own personnel. And so that all had to be outsourced to other bodies, whether that was further up in Homeland Security or whether that was the FBI. And so that's a weird thing. That's not a good thing, right? You want any police force to be able to look into corruption and misconduct of its own officers or agents. That's just a basic thing. That's policing, right? Well, also, it it sets them up as these kind of junior rangers where they don't have the full power of other people. And so maybe, of course, they have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And in a lot of circles, they're sort of looked down upon as a lower tier law enforcement agency. So you have um, a lack of sort of ability to, to do real investigations on the border or within the ranks of the Border Patrol. By the Obama administration, people like Bill Bratton, the um, many time police chief and sort of policing expert and others were saying to Homeland Security, like, this does not work. You have to have a real internal affairs unit. You have to have people within the agency who have investigative powers. You need to change that government designation. And you need to hire a bunch of people to staff an internal affairs unit. That has slowly happened. There is an internal affairs unit. It has not enough investigators, but they are there. They need probably... 200 more. But there's also this sort of ongoing turf battle that comes out of the the origins of this modern CBP amalgamation, which is that you also have Homeland Security and its inspector general says, no, 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 no. We're the people that should be doing investigations of misconduct at Border Patrol. Like, yeah, you got this internal affairs thing, but we want to have the first look at every significant allegation of misconduct. And 
in the end, what happens is sometimes neither of those bodies decides to do anything. And even if they do decide to intervene, the way CBP conducts investigations seems defensive, like the goal isn't really getting to the truth. AC told me this one story in particular. I talked to the attorney for two Guatemalan teenage girls who were apprehended by Border Patrol in Texas. And they were put in a cell, and they said that quite quickly an agent at the station came into the cell and groped their genitals. And they reported this immediately. There was an investigation launched. Both the Internal Affairs and the Inspector General looked into this. The investigators on both sides, Internal Affairs and Inspector General, the main thing that they were saying to the girls was, we want you to do a polygraph test. We want you to to do a lie detector test. They seem to be more interested in investigating the teenagers than the agent responsible. To this day, it seems that the agent is still on duty. The federal government has paid out $125,000 to settle a legal claim brought by the teenage girls. And the Border Patrol has been remarkably reluctant to divulge the name of this agent. And that's the way things sort of work there. You know, you investigate the aggrieved party and you sort of seem to give a pass to the person that that appears to have engaged in very explicit misconduct. God, that's so heartbreaking. It's just such a dereliction of duty. Right. And it was remarkable to me when I read the civil court file in that case that the the very first day this happens, the agent's coworker reports this up the chain of command to the various oversight bodies and names the agent in question. But then when the lawsuit happens, it takes the federal government and Border Patrol months and 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 months to finally tell the lawyers who the agent is in question. When he has been named in the initial report from day one, and they've known this from day one, but they just don't want to tell the lawyers, it seems. And I just think, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? His name was on the very first record. He was questioned from the jump. You know who this guy is. You tell the civil attorneys who he is. And by the way, the young ladies who were groped and apparently assaulted in in this way would like to know what happened to him. Well, Border Patrol says, we can't tell you if we disciplined him or not. We can't tell you if he's still on the job or not. No, no, you don't get to know that. But from what we can tell, he is indeed still on the job and has not really faced any serious sanction. You talked about a kind of turf battle that goes on when complaints are made. And it's interesting to me that that turf battle seems to be playing out right now over your Mm. article. Um, There was some reporting in ProPublica, not by you because it's about you, about the fact that a pretty high up CBP official was sending around an article that, you know, cast aspersions on your reporting and what you said. Right. And so that was honestly, again, it was honestly shocking to me. This essay basically takes the position that the, the problem with the situation today is not a toxic culture within the Border Patrol. It is reporters like myself who want to expose that. And really this this group where people are posting memes of congresswomen being sexually assaulted, like, yeah, that's not a big deal, whatever. And I just thought, like, 
you know, your agency is saying from the chief on down, no, 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 this is bad. This Facebook group is bad. This does not reflect the values and the sort of orientation of the broader community of Border Patrol agents. And then you have somebody at the highest levels of the agency basically sharing something defending the group and kind of passing it off as intelligence. And I say, oh, really? It doesn't reflect your values? Because it seems to. It seems to. What do you what do you expect is going to happen next year? Because we've had this full cycle and a half of news coverage, beginning with your article. It was just in Congress. What do you think is the next move? I believe that the, the House Oversight Committee is going to go after the entire Facebook group, that they're going to go after all the posts, all the data, all the metadata. And I think that is going to be very revelatory. And I think that there will be a lot more questions that come out of that. But I think more broadly, what you'll see is stories like the story that came out in the Post of the Border Patrol agent who allegedly sexually harassed a woman whose 12-year-old son was in Border Patrol custody. I think you will see stories where people are discussing inhumane conditions within Border Patrol detention, and those stories will be coming from within the agency. I think you're going to continue to see a sort of steady stream of leaks about what's going on in there, in the same way that you've seen in the, the, you know, the Trump administration in general, that there's always sort of people leaking about various acts, aspects of the executive branch because they're unhappy with what's happening. Hmm. I wonder if the last few weeks of reporting has meant more people coming forward to you with their stories or fewer? Like, are people scared or are people emboldened inside CBP? It's both. It's both. And, you know, it's so interesting that you use that word emboldened because that's actually a thing that I hear people within the agency saying. And that really stuck with me. They say, look, the Trump era has emboldened the people within Border Patrol who have really xenophobic views, who have racist views, who have generally angry attitudes. I've been told by a Border Patrol supervisor, the person said, look, it is a race to see who can be the cruelest, who can be the meanest, who can exact as much punishment as possible on the migrants who come into our custody. And that was so interesting to me because it was the same sort of stuff that I've heard uh, reporting on white supremacists. You know, they all sort of say, oh, you know, we heard the things that President Trump was saying and we realized like, oh, this is our time to come out of the woodwork and express our true views. We have license to do so now. But the difference is with the Border Patrol is the agency is like 50% Latino, predominantly Chicano, Mexican-American of the the Latinos. And um, so what you get a lot of times are brown folks disparaging other brown folks, but they feel like this is the moment I can do that. Trump lets me do that. So I'm going to, you know, act like these migrants from Guatemala or Honduras or Mexico are not real humans, that they're subhuman. AC Thompson, thanks so much for talking to me. Hey, thank you for having me on. AC Thompson is a reporter for ProPublica. That's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. 
One more thing before I go. Have you listened to the gist yet? Because I keep telling you to. So you can do it right now. Just right this second. If you click over, you're going to hear Mike delivering his theory on why the moon landing's 50th anniversary isn't getting as much attention as like Stonewall or D-Day. Go check it out. All right. I'm Mary Harris, and I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Dahlia Lithwick, and I'm host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the law and the U.S. Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape. The many trials of Donald J. Trump, judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen.